on holiness and sanctification. Okay? And the Bible says that God is holy. Alright? So it's a word really that just speaks of the Lord. It doesn't speak of other things. It speaks of the Lord and the things that pertain to the Lord. Okay? That word is pretty much His. It's for the Lord. Holy is the Lord. And that's what the angels are flying around saying morning, noon, and night. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord who was and is and is to come. And they, they are worshiping before the throne of God. But we're looking at two different aspects of holiness specifically. And that is this. And last week we talked about this aspect. The holiness or the sanctification that we have as believers. Simply being born again. And it has to do with what we would call our positional holiness, our standing in Christ. Okay? What has the Lord done when, when He saved us? What has He made me? What does He say about me? Uh, how do I stand before the Lord? I was a guilty sinner on my way to hell. The wrath of God, it says in Ephesians 2, was abiding upon my life. And I didn't even know it. And God opened my eyes and saved me. What, what, what am I now? What's the difference? Well, it's a big difference. A huge difference. The Lord, the Bible says that God has justified us freely by His grace. Okay, that is simply something that's taken place in salvation. It happens in a moment. It happens in the instant uh, when somebody gives their life to Christ and says, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. When a man confesses, or a woman confesses Jesus Christ and believes in his heart this Gospel that God has raised him from the dead and there's no other Savior. I'm a sinner in need of this salvation. Save me. And when that happens instantly, our position changes from the wrath of God abiding upon us, strangers uh, and enemies of God, it changes to being part of His family, of the family of God. It changes as being our legal standing before our judge, and God is the judge of all the earth. Our legal standing just moved. It just changed because God dealt kindly with us and graciously with us, and He chose to sanctify us in Christ. Our position now is in Christ. Christ is the Son of God. Christ is the Savior of the world. He's the eternal uh, Son of God and part of this Trinity that we worship. <clears throat> and we are now in Christ. So that is our position. Physically, picture yourself uh, standing in the Lord. That is our position as being just. That means uh, righteous or holy. When the Bible says in, in, uh, that the Lord has justified us freely by His grace, I'll just read this. Uh, if you're taking notes, it's Romans 4, verse 5. But to him that worketh not. You know, Chris talked in his testimony about failing and trying and failing. Okay? We've all been there before. But the Bible says, to him that worketh not, but believeth, there's a faith on him, that's Jesus, that justifies the ungodly, that's me, his faith is counted for righteousness. Alright? One sentence says a whole lot. In that one scripture in Romans 4 5. And so this this speaks, this sanctification speaks of that I'm justified in Christ in my standing before the Lord. It doesn't fluctuate, it doesn't come and go. Okay? My standing before the Lord, because my judge has seen me in his son Jesus and rendered me as being innocent, just, righteous. He has made me that. It's a legal term. Justif justification. And so, that doesn't change. Our feelings change. We feel very Christian today. We feel unchristian tomorrow because of something we said or did or thought or just uh, the world's weighing in on us and we feel unchristian 
and scared maybe or worried. Uh, our standing in Christ doesn't change. It doesn't go up and down. I'm out of Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm out of Christ. I'm in Christ. When we were saved, there's nothing you did or I did other than believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess Him. Repent. Like, like uh, Chris talked about and turn to the Lord. He saved us. In salvation comes a lot. There's a lot that comes with salvation. Not just we escaped hell and we're going to heaven. Our standing before God has changed and I'm part of His family now. Well, I don't feel like it. I still got bad thoughts. I still got some sinful habits. I still don't love like Jesus does. Well, nobody does. But He's taken us from there. That standing is set. Okay? That standing is set. I'll just give a couple of scriptures. I'll just read this. From, I'm reading from Jude 1.1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified. Past tense. It's our standing to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So who's he addressing? He's addressing people like you and me that are born again. Imperfect. Still have a long way to go to become like Jesus. A lot of maturing to do. A lot of growing to do. A lot more fruit to bear in our lives. A lot more sins to put out of their lives. But yet he says to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. The Scripture we used similar to that last week was 1 Corinthians 1-2, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. You'll find that phrase more than once in the Bible. That is that sanctification that has to do with our position, our standing in the Lord. I know I've said it a lot, but I want to move on. This happened, that happens at salvation. The Bible says in Romans 3-26, to declare at this time, I say His righteousness that He may be just or righteous and the justifier of him that believes in Jesus. The Lord is both of us. He is just and He is the justifier. You couldn't say that of anybody else. I can't justify anybody. You can't justify anybody. That's Romans 3.26. He is just and the justifier of him who? That works really hard? No. Him that believes in Jesus Christ. Okay, so that has to do with understanding. I think we've laid it out there. That's the sanctification that we receive as a position or standing before the Lord. All right, we stand before the Lord complete. We're robed in the righteousness of Christ, washed in the blood of Jesus, fit for heaven. I'm as fit for heaven as I'll ever be. There's no service to the Lord or maturity or growth I could do that would make me more fit for heaven or more fit to be called a child of God or to be saved or to spend eternity in heaven with my Lord and Savior. The Lord has done that freely. There's a lot of things you and I can do to become more like Jesus, to please God, to serve God, to honor God, to enter heaven with a full reward. All right? You see the difference. And so that's what we're talking about today. And, and I know I said it last week, but it's in, in the church in which we're living today, the church age in which we're living today, the environment is... There's a lot of misunderstandings. There are many misunderstandings about lots of things in the Bible, but this would be one of them. Our standing in Christ as opposed to what we're going to talk about today would be our practical sanctification. <coughs> Walking it out. Being discipled. Somebody pulling you under their wing and said, okay, you just gave your life to Jesus this morning. I want to be that person in your life. And I want this church to be this church in your life where we pour Christ into you. You're already saved. You're saved as I am. Let's say the person speaking has been saved for 50 years and been a, a minister for 50 years. 
those two people are on equal footing before the Lord. There's not one that's above the other and they're standing in Christ. You understand that? But there, there's one that's obviously, and he should be, much more mature and Christ-like than this other one that understands the Bible better. That these godly characteristics and traits and fruits have been more developed in his life. He does love more than this person does. He ought to. He is more patient than this one is. He, he, he has a prayer life that's much more developed than this one does. But they're both on equal footing in their standing of being sanctified in Christ Jesus. But they're not both sanctified to the same degree in their personal sanctification. That's where there's confusion sometimes. We talked about it last week. It can be serious to misunderstand this. So you say, what's the big deal? We're both sanctifications. If we're talking about positional standing or a practical lifestyle of holiness and sanctification, both are a work of God in the life of a human being. It's both a work of His Spirit. But they're not the same thing. They're clearly not the same thing. And if I get them confused, there could be some trouble. Here, I'll give an example that I did last week. If I'm misunderstanding about my standing in the Lord and think my standing in Christ is somehow affected or changed by my behavior in Christ or my lifestyle, then I'm not going to have a whole lot of peace, am I? I had an argument with Dee last night, for example. All right, and I said some things I shouldn't have said. So if I don't understand the Bible properly, I could think, okay, I've fallen, I've fallen out of this right standing with the Lord. And my salvation is not secure. My righteousness, my legal standing before my judge is not what it should be now. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. If I sinned last night, then I need to ask God to forgive me and mean it, confess it to God and turn from it. But my platform, my standing on solid ground before my Savior didn't change. Alright, so that could be one thing. We wouldn't have any peace in our lives because we would be afraid. The other would be that if we misunderstand practical sanctification and positional and we think they're the same things, and in other words, I'm as holy as I'll ever be. Because Christ sanctified me, I'm as holy as I'll ever be. What's the need to strive after God, to pursue after the Lord? to try to abstain from sin and things like this, what's the purpose? You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm already holy as I'll ever be. But there, there again, it's the misunderstanding. God wants us to see it. You know this stuff probably you know, better than I know it. But I'm going to state the obvious and just say it. The Bible says, for ye are a chosen generation. 1 Peter 2. A holy nation. This is what you are. Peter said you are a holy nation, a peculiar people. Uh, there were a royal priesthood. And then we are those things. Right? We are that. That you should. God's called out of darkness into His marvelous light. That you should show forth His praises. So one has to do with our standing. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Alright? Because God saved us. That you should. Now, oh, now there's something else. A standing is that of being a priest before the Lord. A holy nation of peculiar people. But now He's called me to live a life that shows forth His praises. To declare His Gospel through my actions and my life and my fruit and my love and my words and, and live it out in such a way. So now, you see, there's two things. But one springs from the other. I have to have that position in Christ as being sanctified in Christ and saved before I can live a life that glorifies God and honors Him 
on the earth. And so uh, now that I am saved, the Lord wants us to go on and live for Him and live in such a way that and there's a call of God of holiness upon our lives. Y'all understand that? Ephesians 4.1. Uh, again, we're going to turn and read some in a minute, but this one I'm just going to quote to you. This speaks about our calling. I, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, Paul said, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation or calling wherewith you, you are called. So there's a call of God upon our lives. Every believer, he's begging them basically, beseeching them, imploring these Ephesian believers to walk worthy of that calling. The walk. You see the whole difference now? Now we're talking about a walk. A standing is a standing. A walk is a walk. Alright? And so our standing doesn't change, but our walk, we have some responsibility in this part. It's not unchristian. It's not ungodly. It's not, not helping God save us. He's already saved us. But He has called us to a life of holiness. He's called us, we are sanctified in Christ, and yet we're called to be sanctified and to live a life. And this has to do, y'all, this is what we're talking about today and next week as well. Our practical walk with the Lord. Your day in and day out Christianity. Okay? It's important to the Lord. It's very important to the Lord. You won't change your status as, your, as far as your standing goes in the Lord, but you can certainly honor this God who saved you and me. We can certainly uh, serve Him. We can certainly become more like Him. We can certainly seek after Him, and we're called to do that. If, if you were a king, and you had your son, or your two sons by your three sons or your children, and you said, we're the king of this, I'm the king of this kingdom, that king would expect his children to walk in a certain way, to behave in a certain way that's befitting or representative of their father, the king, and their position. I'm not talking about an arrogance. I'm simply saying we serve the king of kings and lord of lords. Our life ought to be sanctified and holy to where, to where it lines up with our profession. Profession is our words. Our life and our con- conduct is has to line up with that. The Lord wants it to. And so, uh, we're called to be sanctified. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter. <clears throat> Most of us could probably quote this. But I want you to see 1 Peter chapter 1. And let's pick up in vo- verse 14. Well, verse 2, he says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God through sanctification of the Spirit. He's writing to believers. Alright, in verse 14, chapter 1, verse 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. It's before you were saved. You don't live like that anymore. But as He which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That part about the being holy as He is holy, that's quoted, uh, I think it's at least three times in the book of Leviticus. Alright? So it's a quotation from an Old Testament Scripture. But it says, in all manner of conversation. That's what King James says. You might have a different translation. But the thought is, be holy in your manner of lifestyle, your conduct, your behavior. Alright? So that if you if you not you know can't grip the word conversation or it confuses you, it means in our behavior, not our standing, but our lifestyle, our conduct. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. 
And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judges according to the, every man's works, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Okay, so this has to do, you see how that's different. I know I'm, I'm being repetitive, but it's different than our standing in the Lord. This is our practical sanctification. It does not happen all at once. It does not happen the moment you're saved. So, it's like the Lord saying, here's the way, walk ye in it. I found you. I placed you on the rock. That's Jesus. I've established, David said, He established my goings. He lifted me up out of a horrible pit. Put a new song in my mouth, even praises to my God. And He basically set me on my way. But He's with me the whole time too. He doesn't leave me. But the point is, now we walk in that way of holiness. There's a highway to holiness, it says in Isaiah. There's a way of holiness. That way is going to be in Christ. It's going to be living the life of faith. It's going to be living the life as described here in the living Word of God and, and by the Spirit of Almighty God that's in us. But this is a progression. One is a standing. So just picture you stand still in Christ. The other is a progression of sanctification where we are being sanctified day by day. We're working out our salvation, the Bible says, with fear and trembling. And you know what? We're called to do that. It doesn't just happen because the Bible says it ought to happen. It happens as I get engaged and I set my mind on the Lord and I pray and I say, Lord, Your Word says that I'm to pray without ceasing and my prayer life's pitiful. Lord, would You help me? That's getting engaged. And so I'm not going to be lost because my prayer life is not what it should be. If I'm saved, I'm saved. But my prayer life needs to grow in order for me to be sanctified. And so I come before the Lord and I call this upon the same Lord who saved me to help me live a life that pleases Him and honors Him and that is befitting of New Testament Christianity. It's described right here and we're empowered to do it by the Holy Spirit. Our godliness and our Christ-like character and maturity and so forth, our love is not perfected yet. It's not perfected or completed at the moment of salvation. We didn't go from being lost to being perfectly Christ-like in every way perfected, completed in Christ. It's at salvation. We went from being lost to found. Outside of Christ to in Christ. Guilty before the Lord to rendered innocent before the Lord and righteous part of His family and empowered to live a godly life. He has empowered us to do that at salvation. But we didn't go from there to there. We're, we went from lost to saved and now we're, we're being sanctified. That sanctification, that process of being sanctified will last through our entire Christian life. There's no point you'll get 50 years from now and say, I got it now. I'm done. It's not going to happen. I know I say it all the time. 1 John 3, 3. When we see Him, we'll be like Him. For we'll see Him as He is. There is a final change to take place. We're being changed all through life. We're being conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. That is part of our sanctification. Separated from the world. More and more uh, devoted to the Lord. Uh, enamored with the Lord. In love with the Lord. More and more like the Lord. Every day, little by little. Just picture, uh, picture the Lord carving or whittling or making that vessel on the potter's wheel. It's not all that it's going to be, but if we're in His hands, we're in the right place. Okay? He'll get us there. 
He'll get us where we need to be, and He'll finish it, and He'll complete it. The final change, especially with our bodies, is going to take place at the rapture of the church. Don't get frustrated with where you are. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep you, you got saved by faith, and continue to walk in Him by faith. And the Lord is able to keep us. Just listen to this, this verse. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace. Does that sound like it happens all at once? Obviously not. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we're, <coughs> we're called excuse me, to live and to grow in Christ, in that knowledge, in Christ's likeness. That's not a discouraging thing, y'all. Because it means we can grow. And it means that we are growing. And it means the Lord, it's the Lord who works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. What is His good pleasure? To make us like His Son, Jesus. He's not going to make Jenny like one thing and Dee like something else and Damien like something else. The finished product's going to be like His Son. We have our own personalities and all that. Own callings and ministries. That's fine. That's up to the Lord. But the finished product in all of us is going to be like Jesus Christ. Again, all manner of conversation. It has to do with our behavior. And a believer, <coughs> excuse me, every believer has a responsibility in this. There is something put back on me, but it's not more than I can bear. The responsibility that God puts back on me now, if He put that responsibility on, on you or me before we were saved, go be holy. Go pray without ceasing. Go abstain from all appearance of evil. You know what I mean? Go rejoice evermore. And He put that upon us as a command. Without the new birth, it would be impossible. But now that He's saved me, and then He's called me as a saved man with a holy calling, and He says, now you go do it. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's written to brethren. That's written to Christians. That's where our strength comes from, but it's there. So we're saved and called with the holy calling of lifestyle and conduct. And the Lord helps us and it's ongoing. And it's not in order to earn my salvation. I'm already saved. It's in order to walk in the calling that I'm saved to walk in. Salvation has more to do than just getting us to heaven because you think about it, and I know you probably have, if all that was, then He could have just saved us and as soon as you prayed the sinner's prayer, He just raptures us on up to heaven. But He left us here. He left us here to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be a testimony of Christ on this earth so that others may see and glorify our Father in heaven. And it's pleasing to God. And it shows His keeping power that He can keep some little old, some little orphan child with no family, no structure around them at all, and they pray and give their life to Jesus. No guidance, nothing. The Lord can keep them and preserve that little orphan child through life and keep them unspotted from the world. God can do that. He wants to show His power and His might to be able to do that in a life. And so that's another reason He leaves us here. But He wants us to walk holy. Right, we're going to look at a couple of Scriptures. Titus chapter 2. Titus is right after 2 Timothy if you're looking. Verse 11 and 12. 
For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Here's what God's grace teaches men. The saving grace of God that's appeared to all men, even people that are lost. This is what that same grace teaches a man. It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So, he's telling us that it didn't all happen just at salvation, not this. He's telling us that I'm to do something. I'm to deny ungodliness. That's my responsibility. Where does the power come from to deny ungodliness in my life? From the Lord? From the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me by His grace? Okay? And so He's teaching me as a believer deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You can have a believer right here that's living soberly, righteously, and godly or trying to and striving after that and have another believer and they're just as saved as each other standing right by them. They're really not trying that hard to deny themselves ungodliness or live righteously on this earth. There is a personal responsibility that's there. And again, the power comes from the Lord to do it. I'll read this if you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? That describes a believer, right? It's just describing a believer. We don't know if they're, uh, how they're living their Christianity, how much they're seeking after God from that. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, because you've already been bought with a price by the blood of Jesus, you already in, are in Jesus' camp and in His family in your standing. Therefore, okay, now my ears perk up. I'm saved. Saved, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. On and on. Now what? Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Or it means which are possessions of the Lord, which belong to the Lord. Therefore, glorify the Lord. Okay? Our salvation is to lead to a holy life. Our salvation is to produce in reality and behavior a holy life that's lived out among men. In other words, I should. If Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Doesn't He say that in His Bible? In His Word? Then I need to take that from being a theory and a theology and true words of my Savior and let God work that in me to where it is reality in my life. To where people see from the Bible, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then they look at William and they see William loving his neighbor as himself. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's, there has to be reality of this. That would have to do with his walk, with his conduct, not his, am I saved, lost? Where's my standing before the Lord? We talked about it. You might have a wonderful day in Christ and go and win eight people to the Lord. You know, I'm just picking a number. You might have another day where the Lord says, I want you to witness to that, you know, cashier at the Walmart. And you were too busy and didn't feel like it. And there was a line behind you and you didn't and you left. And you get home and the Lord says, I wanted you to witness to that person today. Hand them a track. Do something you didn't. Or you might have had a day, like I said, you stopped and you shared the gospel with eight people and all eight got saved. There's a little difference, right? But if you're saved, you're saved. That standing in Christ didn't change. But your sanctification, which is going to come through obedience and walking with the Lord, that took a blow if I didn't do what God told me to do, right? 
And there's a remedy for that. It's called confess it to the Lord. God, forgive me. I should have done it. I was, I was too busy and, and I have no excuse for it. Because you bought me with your blood. I don't even belong to myself. Forgive me for that. Lord, please give me another chance to do that. And give me the boldness to do it when you do. And he will. And he'll, he's so faithful to do that. Um, it's an ongoing work, this sanctification in the life of a believer. We're sanctified in Christ, but we're being sanctified. There's no place to boast about it because it's a work of the Lord. So there's no real pride that comes with it. I wanted to read this. I thought it was a wonderful quote from a, a minister. <clears throat> He's talking about this practical sanctification unto the Lord. His name's Thomas Guthrie. He says, if the world is growing less in your sight, it shows that you are retreating from it, rising above it, and upborne in the arms of grace. You are ascending to a higher region, and if to your eyes the fashion of this world seems passing away, it is because we ourselves are passing, passing on the way to heaven. Sin never changes. If objects which once seemed lovely look loathsome to you now, if pleasures once desired are detested now, if what we once eagerly sought we now shun and shrink from, is not because sin has changed, but bless God and praise be ascribed to His grace, we are changed. Thank you. This is a work of the Lord. Things that we used to love, we don't love anymore. You know what I'm saying? We used to not only do these simple things, but we had pleasure in doing these things and we sought after opportunities to do them. And now, the Lord has changed our heart toward it. It's not that we're just chained up in some room and we can't get to that sin anymore. It's that the Lord has in our hearts, He's sanctifying us and that holds no pleasure for me any longer. I don't want it anymore. And some other things we still might wrestle with and be tempted to that we do uh, find ourselves wanting to go after. But you understand that's the point that we're sin hasn't changed. So if that if that longing is different now, it's because God is changing me and making me more like His Son Jesus. A couple more scriptures. First um, Thessalonians chapter four. This is a wonderful passage. We're, we're doing our study on practical sanctification, and this is the same chapter at the end which talks about the rapture. We're not going to get that far. But let's read 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 7. Y'all follow with me. Now he's writing to believers. Furthermore, now I want you to listen as I'm reading. We're going to read seven verses. I want you to listen to the things that are we're called to do. Responsibility, should do, ought to do. The responsibility of obedience on our part as believers. Okay? Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus. That ye should that ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so we would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. This is a passage I go to often. It's highlighted. It's in the Foundations book. 
um, because it's such a wonderful, clear passage to me. There are many such in the Bible, in the New Testament. Okay, I'm not trying to build a doctrine on one little scripture. It's be you holy for I am holy. Walk worthy of the calling wherewith you're called. We see it all through the Bible. And just in that, it, it, you know, if you were reading along, it says, I'm going to give them quotes, we ought to walk. Ought to. Does that mean it's possible to do it or not to do it? Yes. But we ought to do this one. How you ought to walk. So there's a responsibility on me as a saved man. Not to save myself. Not to robe myself in the righteousness of Christ. Not to earn my way to heaven. But as a saved man with a right standing in the Lord. Indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He says how we ought to walk. That means I could say no. Maybe sometimes I could say no. And sometimes I could say yes. Which we do. But it still is there how we ought to walk. That has to do with our conduct or behavior. To please God. Didn't it say in order in verse 1 to please God? And then he talks about the commandments in verse 2. Plural. The commandments that I've given you. Then he talks about this is the will of God in verse 3. Uh, in verse 7 as well. First, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And that we should abstain. There's another thing we're to do. Abstain from fornication. And so, again, if we received all this at the moment of salvation, then this would be pointless to put here. It would just say, you are all these things. Take it easy. You're done. But we know good and well we're not all those things. I haven't abstained from all appearance of evil. I haven't, you know, I need to. I need to. And bless, bless the Lord, He helps us to do that. But it says every, every man should possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And he contrasts that with the Gentiles that don't know God. Don't, don't, don't be like the Gentiles walking in their lust and so forth. And so we see it all through the Bible. Uh, a couple more passages. We'll read Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> Stay with me. We'll, we'll uh, get as far as we can this morning on this. Colossians 1, 9-14. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Again, this is not the plan of salvation. He's writing to save people. Church at Colossae. That you might walk worthy of the Lord. You ought to highlight verse 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. There's progression. There's moving on. Okay? There's taking new ground. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. And it, so that's our strength. Unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who has, this is past tense, what he's already done for us, delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We'll just stop there. Again, there's the calling, okay? There's the calling. And, and here's a thought that I'm going to probably uh, spend the remainder of the, the message this morning on. Y'all, believers are not to shy away from or be afraid of the calling of holiness upon their life. And I'm going to explain this a little more. I think that there's such a, a twisting today. Maybe it's not just today, but I know it is in our day. 
of this holiness and, and grace. And if you try to live holy, then you're trying to do it on your own and in your own flesh. And somehow it's an insult to God. Uh, but believers are not to be afraid to obey the Lord. Don't be afraid to obey God as though you're being unchristian or being a Pharisee. Uh, believers are not to uh, downplay or shy away from walking in obedience to the commandments, plural. There's more than one in the New Testament for saved people. Believers are not to be afraid to pursue after holiness. You know, there's that scripture in, in, uh, in Hebrews 12, we're doing our Wednesday night study about pursue, after peace with all, pursue peace with all men and holiness after which no man will see the Lord. And I was having a talk with somebody uh, that a couple of weeks ago about that scripture and saying, is that our positional holiness or our practical? I believe it has to do with our practical because it says to pursue after. All right. But but still, the point is that don't be afraid to obey the Lord. Don't be afraid to have a call of holiness and then say, yeah, I'm engaged in that. I'm accepting that call in Christ. And I'm pursuing after the Lord in that. Knowing that the strength and the power has to come from the Lord to do it. Right? It says apart from me you can do nothing. Aren't you glad we're not apart from the Lord? I don't have to be apart from the Lord. I can abide in Christ. And His words abide in me. The Bible says, and I'll ask what I will and it shall be done unto me. And so herein is my Father glorified that I bear much fruit. We're not to be afraid to walk worthy of the calling. That life is simply honoring to the Lord. The life that does pursue after holiness. Uh, it's befitting, as I said, a Christian. It's befitting a saved life. I'm born again now. Guess what? Live like you're born again. I'm saved by a holy God. Live the holy life He's called you to live. I know it sounds simple. Again, the strength comes from the Lord to do it. But, he, uh, but do it. And, and some, some believers are confused on this. I know that you've, you've heard and know what I'm talking about. And God's not the author of confusion. So what is it then? Some people are confused about this. Here's what I'm talking about. There are people that have been taught and led to believe that any type of walk of holiness where I'm actually striving to live a holy life. Let's say Peter's trying to live a holy life. And he's striving after the Lord and he sees things in his life that aren't right and he goes before the Lord in prayer and he gets up and he wants to do better tomorrow. Okay? And he's actually working out his salvation. He's striving to live for God. Then there's some in the Christian camp that will come alongside and say, brother, you're just trying too hard. You're like a Pharisee. You're a legalist. You're, uh, don't you, haven't you heard about grace? You understand what I'm saying? They'll come alongside and instead of speaking the words of truth from God's, God's Word, they bring confusion and they bring condemnation to the one who's actually striving to live after God. Because they're not. Chris read it in, his, in the Scripture from Romans 6. What shall we, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Because we're under grace now? God forbid. But you'll hear it. Here's a man trying to strive after God. They're trying to walk in obedience. They have failures. They, they, you know what I mean? They come and go and ups and downs. But as a whole, they're wanting to live in obedience to the Word of God. And they're trusting God to do it. And so somebody comes out of left field, you're a legalist. You're a Pharisee. You're a grace hater. And they're critical 
And they, they call you all these things because they don't either understand or don't desire to live a holy life before the Lord. It's much easier just to lay back and say, grace, 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 grace. Grace just covers everything. Well, what are we talking about? Let's talk about grace. Because we just read it in, in Titus 2. The grace of God that it brings salvation has appeared unto all men teaching us Amen. that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that's something I should do, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope. So you want to talk about real grace? Real grace did save me. I didn't save myself. God saved me by His grace. And He's also equipped me day by day by His grace. But His grace is teaching me there's a holy way to live. And that's the calling of God upon my life. Not to be careless. Not to be sinful. Not to, oh, come, whatever happens, happens. We're under grace. Bless God. And, and we just go grace and call it grace, grace. And it's not the biblical grace that the Bible speaks of. So some people that wanted to live for God are actually discouraged, maybe even from older believers, from living for God because they're told that as they do it, they pursue after that. They're trying to help God in their flesh. And they're denying the grace of God. They're being a Pharisee. And you, you know, if you try to live holy, what about if there's somebody around you that's not holy? They're going to feel bad. They're going to feel uh, condemned. And I've actually heard stuff like this. You're going to make them feel worse. You didn't go to that R-rated movie and they went to it. And you, you know, God forbid you said something to them about it because you cared about their soul and you're blasted as being judgmental and a Pharisee and a legalist and you made them feel bad. Well, you know what? The Bible says iron sharp is iron. The Bible says we're salt and light. That Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And, and we're to speak that good word into the lives of others. We're to provoke one another to love and good works through our lifestyle and through our word. Love and good works. We're already saved. Amen. So the person that went to the R-rated movie, if they're saved, they're still saved. The person that didn't go, who's praying for their friend who went, they're saved too. But one of them obeyed the Lord and one disobeyed God. I'm not going to heap the praise on the one that disobeyed the Lord. But can go to him and love him though and be patient and say, look, brother, I'm concerned about you. Can I pray with you? Can I talk to you? Why would you want to go see that? It doesn't bring honor to the Lord. Everybody saw you walk in that movie and you claimed to be a Christian. I know you were enticed to see it and you wanted to see it, but there's something bigger than that. There's a call of God upon our lives to holiness. So I'm not judging you. God's words already judged that sin. I'm trying to help you live a life that honors God. That's no, nothing there for you. I want to help you. We don't have to tell everybody about this. Let's just let's pray about it. That's a godly way to handle that. But that person is, is so much is, is blasted. And uh, look at, we'll, we'll read just one more uh, scripture we're going to turn to and read. Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> we'll just start in verse 1. Ephesians 5.1. You can turn any... I would dare to say, I'm not having to check this, okay, but any page in the New Testament and start reading a chapter and you'll find something about the call of how a believer is to live. Amen. Practical holiness. All right? Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also had loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. 
but fornication and all uncleanness or covetous, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becoming saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this we know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. We're just going to stop right there. Again, this doesn't need a commentary on it. This is what it is. It says what it says. And don't, I would say this, don't be afraid to obey the Lord. If you are, if you have this confusion that, oh, if I obey the Lord, I'll give you another example. I can I know these examples because I've actually spoke to some people that shared this thought with me and talked to others who the same, same kind of thing shared with them in the past. Um, I didn't read my Bible yesterday because I didn't feel like it. And I got to thinking if I didn't feel like it, but I did it anyway, I would just be doing it in my flesh. Okay, we kind of laugh. There are people that literally, I'm not making this up because I think it would be a good example. I know of an individual that told me this. And, and I hear that kind of thing over. I didn't go to prayer meeting tonight because I didn't feel like it. And if I didn't feel like going and I went, I'd probably just be doing it in my flesh. And on and on we hear this kind of stuff. And I thought to myself, what a clever, can you think of a more brilliant strategy of Satan? Did to make people think that obedience to God is sin? I mean, seriously. I didn't feel like, you know what I would say? And I've had to say it to myself more than I've ever said it to another person. You don't feel like reading your Bible today, Randy. Do it anyway. Because I know by faith, there's a great reward that comes. I feel like cutting my prayer time short today because I'm so busy. Don't. That's the day you need to pray more. The one day I wanted to cut it short because I was a 15 bowl games on TV that I want to watch. And the Lord says, no, you stay longer. He's not punishing me, but by faith. And I'm like, you're right, Lord. Thank you. You're right, Lord. This is evidence that we belong to him. This is not helping God's grace. This is not doing your flesh. You know what it is? It's a walk of faith. Amen. I believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I would tell you, if you came to me and said, I didn't feel like going to Sunday school, so I didn't go because I was afraid I'd just be doing it in my flesh, go anyway. Ask God to touch your heart. And while you're praying, get up and go. Lord, help me want to go to Sunday school. But get up and go to Sunday school. Help me want to go pray. Because I really don't feel like it. I want to watch this right now. But go, I want to sleep. And the Lord says, go Go pray and pray that God, your heart will be right for where you want to pray. Go read your Bible and pray to me that you will want to read your Bible. And guess what? Do you think he'll answer that prayer? Absolutely. So I just have this, this thought. Okay, obey him even when it's hard. Obey him as a Christian. You're already a Christian. Not to earn your salvation, but because you are saved. 
Obey him when you don't feel like it. Obey him, why? Because he's worthy. And it's a walk of faith. And I don't go by my feelings. And I'm not governed by my feelings. I'm not judging you because you don't have the prayer life or you don't judge me. God will deal with me about that. But if God gives you a word, God puts it on Peter's heart to come to me about something or Jordan's heart to come to me about something, then I need to be able to accept it and know they're doing it because they love me, not because they hate me. All right? But still, obey the Lord even when we don't feel like it. And there's, that's, that's a maturity and that's a growth. And we're growing in the Lord. So uh, there, there are people that would ridicule that. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, praise God. Amen. You've never run across it, then, then praise God. If you have, then praise God. You understand what we're saying. Uh, you're, not, you're not helping God in the sense that, oh, that's kind of arrogant. You're trying to live, Amber's trying to live a holy life. She's just trying to help God out. She doesn't believe in grace. No, she does believe in grace. She's been saved by grace. And now she wants to walk it out the life God's called her to. And she couldn't take one step without the Lord helping her to do it. But do it. Obey the Lord. And so we're not going to be sanctified apart from that. Okay? We're not going to be sanctified apart from obedience. And that's really where we're going to pick up next week. Uh, we're going to that, that link between our sanctification and obedience. And that link between our love for God and that grows in our obedience to Christ. And as our obedience grows, our love grows. And our love grows, our obedience grows uh, to the Lord. And, and that link between that. But we're not going to, uh, to grow and mature in Christ apart from just a steady, faithful obedience to the Lord. You're not. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying you won't grow in your sanctification, in your maturity, and neither will I, apart from a steady striving, like a conscious thought. I'm going to live for God today. I'm going to get up and live for God. And it's not drudgery and it's not misery, but sometimes it is hard. Sometimes our flesh, many times our flesh does not feel like cooperating. And I would say cooperate anyway. You couldn't do it if God didn't help you, but He does help you. And we'll close with that. Y'all stand, and I'm going to close by reading a scripture from Colossians 2. <clears throat> Colossians 2. And just think about it, y'all. This, this is, I, I want it to be, uh, the Lord would have this little series to be a real solid teaching on this, but also a real provoking, I guess, so I guess more of a preaching on it as well. So we're, we're stirred in our hearts uh, to lay hold on this if we're not this. Not just that we have a check, I understand it, I got it. But that we, we come and we seek the Lord for uh, that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And let Him show us where we're not cooperating. Let Him show us where we're missing the Lord or disobeying the Lord or, or maybe not even thinking about it. So the altars are open uh, just begin to pray. This scripture from Colossians 2.6 says, As ye therefore received Christ, past tense, as you received Him, alright? Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. How did we receive the Lord? We received Him by faith. Right? We received the Lord by faith. We never saw Him and shook His hand and gave Him a big bear hug and went and sat up in heaven at the right hand of the Jesus. We received Him by faith. 
And as ye therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so now walk ye in Him. Your behavior, your conduct, your lifestyle. Walk in Christ now. There's a walk in Christ. There's not only a standing in Christ, there is a walk and a lifestyle in Christ. And that has to be by faith as well. The just shall live by faith. We're not only saved by faith, but the just or the righteous, the ones God's made righteous, are to now live by faith. So let's just take that time. Keep that scripture in mind. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And Father, we just give this time to You, God. This time at the altar, God. We don't want to rush out. I know people are hungry. they got different things that, that we want to do. But Lord, we want to take the Word that You've spoken to us this morning. That Word. Anything else You might have put in somebody's heart and mind and spirit that You've spoken We want to take it, God. We want to seal it in our heart. You said we're not to be forgetful hearers, but doers of the work. This man's going to be blessed in his deeds. So Lord, take what's been taught, what's been preached, what's been ministered. It's your word. It's your Holy Spirit that reveals any truth to us, God. Take that truth, God, and plant it in our hearts to where it's immovable, to where we we don't leave it. It doesn't go in one ear and out the other, God. But it's deep in our hearts and souls and part of us, God. And by the working of your Spirit, would you make us, that means each individual person here, a holy people, a peculiar people, zealous of good works, set apart from the world, set apart unto God in our behavior, in our minds, in our lifestyle, that our love for God and for others would increase, God that our knowledge of you and, and we are growing grace in the knowledge of Jesus. I pray for this people here, Lord. I haven't come and neither have you by your Spirit come to bring condemnation, but to bring conviction of this holy calling of God upon our lives, Lord. And as we receive Christ Jesus as our Savior and Lord by faith, help us to walk in Him. In Jesus' name, and use us to help one another, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Please take a little time to seek the Lord. I know the Lord wants to do this work in your life and in this church.